for SEN America. This is Born in the USA, the podcast. Hey, I'm Steve Salisbury. Welcome to the Born in USA podcast. Many of you may not know this, but Ed Wyatt, who will be joining me uh, in subsequent podcasts, and I started a show back in 2005. Uh, We actually came to the station when it began in 2004 and helped a guy named Mark Doran do an American hour on, I think, Thursday nights. And the station enjoyed it. There was a positive, uh, positive response from the listeners. So the station said, well, why don't we give you guys your own show? So they went ahead and they did that. They called the show Born in USA, and it was actually started, I believe, in September of 2005. And then we did the show until I moved back to California in late 2009. So I think our last show was um, November of 2009. And the show, what we did when we started that was we kind of wanted to uh, entertain and inform. That was what we wanted to do. We had this passion for the sports that we grew up with, and we figured these are great sports, and there are a lot of people here in Australia that enjoy them the way we do, And so, no, but no one's talking about it. So we got this show going, and we had a really good time. Honestly, Ed has done a lot of really important things in his career. He started a, a soccer network in the U.S. He was a part of a show in Seattle called Almost, Almost Live, where he won an Emmy. Uh, but if you ask him, some of the most fun that either of us have ever had is, is doing that Born in USA program. Now, unfortunately, we're not able to do that at the moment because uh, there's not the scheduling available on the, um, you know, at the station. But that's not to say that it won't happen eventually. It, it may happen eventually. I think it's something that, that could be worked out. But nonetheless, we wanted to bring a podcast to you guys, and we're going to call it the Born USA podcast. So people who don't know, Ed and I had this show for, for almost five years, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It really was. And I think the show was unique. Well, I know the show was unique in Australia because there was no other show that was talking about American sport. And I think Ed and I, because of our backgrounds, bring a different slant to it. We kind of take a different view of sports, and we tried to tackle different uh, different topics and, and look at them from different angles. So we enjoyed it and, and we're going to put this podcast together. Ed's busy today, so he can't join me. But what I want to do with the podcast is what I hope what I hope we're able to do with this is to give you guys a different perspective. I mean, certainly you can listen to ESPN and Fox and places like that to get the American perspective and you can listen to people here uh, to get an Australian perspective. But I think what, what Ed and I offer is that we've both lived in the country for over a decade and we grew up there. So we give you a little bit of both. We've got a foot in each camp. We've, we've been to the games. We've been in Australia and we kind of have an understanding of how certain things that happen over there may impact people here and kind of the different ways to look at it. So hopefully it goes well. We, are, we encourage some feedback. If it sucks, let us know. If you think it's great, let us know. Uh, you guys have never been shy about doing that. Anyway, uh, July is typically a really slow part of the sports calendar in the U.S. And, and the reason for that is that the NBA ends. Football has not yet begun. Hockey, while just a niche sport, uh, is over. It's basically baseball. All we have right now is baseball. And we're actually getting to the all-star break. So the one thing that we've had, we've had a couple of things in the last few weeks that have made it interesting, and I'm going to hit a few different things today. I'm going to talk about the Women's World Cup. I'm going to talk about NBA free agency. I'm going to talk about uh, some NFL and some Major League Baseball news as well, but I wanted to hit on NBA free agency. It is what we've always said 
on on our show and any time anyone's ever listened to us is that you know you you build through the draft and if you take a look well we say you've built through that you build through the draft and you supplement through free agency and the point there is that it's a lot better to bring a player up into your system as a rookie train him you know get the coaching and everything like that and and kind of get rid of any bad tendencies or or bad uh, habits that a guy may have make sure that he's training the right way i mean there's a lot of benefits to a team to bring in a guy when he's 22 you can kind of mold him in sort of the the mold of the team the mold of the coach those are the types of things that are available to you if you bring a guy in now if you take a look at the playoffs and what just went down Look at the different players who were impact players. The Cavaliers had LeBron James. He was chosen first in the draft. The uh, The Warriors had Steph Curry. I think he was chosen sixth or seventh. You had, uh, he could have been chosen later than that. You've had um, uh, uh, Chris Paul was chosen, I think, number one overall uh, by uh, Charlotte when he was playing there. Um, you've got... Um, you know, take a look at uh, Houston. You had Dwight Howard, who was chosen first overall. You had James Harden, who was chosen fourth. So if you look across a lot of the teams that played well in the playoffs, those teams' players were chosen in the first five, six, seven, usually the first dozen uh, picks. Now, there have been guys who could be impact players and can change the the fortunes of an organization who are chosen in the teens. You look at Kobe Bryant. I think Kobe was chosen 13th or 14th uh, in 1996. So there are instances where guys kind of slip under the radar a little bit. In Kobe's case, he was actually uh, he was actually a high school kid coming out of um, I think Lower Marion High School in Philly. So typically, what you have to do to get a player to build through the draft is you have to be lousy and. Every now and again, you'll hit the, the lottery jackpot and you'll get a LeBron James, you'll get a Patrick Ewing, you'll get a Kobe Bryant or someone like that. But those those players are rare. So what you have to do is you have to bring guys in. And the league is changing in a way that I've never seen it. I mean, now, a lot of the criticism of, of, uh, of LeBron James the last five, six years has been how he didn't do it by himself. Oh, he didn't do it by himself, man. Jordan did it by himself, and Magic did it by himself, and Larry Bird did it by himself, and I get it. Those guys, Larry Bird would have never put on another jersey. Magic Johnson would have never put on another jersey. Jordan, well, he did put on another jersey, but the point is is well taken. I get it. Back then, those guys were warriors. They played for their team, and they hated each other. Now, there's this collaboration effort. They've all got the same agent. They get along. They're doing golf tournaments in the offseason. They become buddies. They collaborate on stuff outside of basketball, so they become friends. Now, you ask yourself a question. Would you like to work with your friends? I mean, wouldn't it be great to be able to do a job with your buddies or your mates? Yeah, it would be. So put yourself in these guys' shoes. They want to build a team. They want to win. And they want to build a team with guys that they get along with. And, and that's what they do. That's the league today. Like it or leave it, that's the way it is. Guys today are going to pick up the phone and they're going to go, hey, it's LeBron James here. Why don't you come to Cleveland? we got a good thing going, blah, 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 blah. It's the same thing that happened when he and Chris Bosh went down and joined Dwayne Wade in Miami. And then what they do is they pick up the phone and they go, look, we got our our quote-unquote big three. Now let's get some guys who can hit threes from the outside. Let's do this. Let's do that. And they bring a team together. And the, the, the interesting thing about it is that the 
guys now are trying to win. It's all about winning. That's, and if you take a look at the, the free agent names that came up and the guys that came up in the last week, last two weeks, it's been all about winning. I mean, the biggest name in the big names in the uh, in the free agent market this offseason were Lamarcus Aldridge was probably the biggest. Uh, DeAndre Jordan was a big one. Kevin Love was a big one. Marcus Saul, Kawhi Leonard. So Lamarcus Aldridge, in his first, I believe, in his first interview to to go check out a team, he went down to L.A., sat down with the Lakers brass. And the Lakers went in there, and they started to talk to LaMarcus Aldridge about living in L.A. He has a house in L.A. About living in L.A., about all the -the off-the-court opportunities that you're afforded when you live in L.A. Uh, And they bring Kobe Bryant to the meeting. Now, Kobe Bryant has probably $100 bucks in the bank. He's 37 years old next month. He is at the tail end of his career. He's earning $24.5 million this year. He's stealing $24.5 million from probably not 24.5, but he's probably stealing about 23 of that when you consider how much they're actually going to get or how much they got from him this year and how much they're going to get next year. His body's done. And I think in a lot of ways he's done. And so what, you know, you've got, you're the Lakers and you're trying to pitch the, the biggest free agent that's a, available and you bring a guy that's a has-been. And now he's one of the greatest ever, probably in my mind, top five player, top 10 player of all time, but he's not the future. And what you're doing when you bring a guy in is you're selling this guy. You're selling, I'm bringing you in because I want you to play with my team. And here's what we have to offer. What they gave him was Kobe Bryant, who shoots, who's never had a conscience, who just wants to shoot first and ask questions later. And they talked about L.A. Well, you're going to live in L.A. and you can do commercials and you can do this and you can do that. That's not what the guy wanted. The guy wanted to hear about what's happening in basketball. I play in the NBA and the B stands for basketball, National Basketball Association. I want to hear what the hell you guys can offer me on the court. And the Lakers completely miss that. How many of you guys have done sales? Any of you guys do sales? So I've done sales. I've done sales for roughly 20 years. Sales is all about understanding what you're trying to do. It's all about understanding this is, this is your customer, and I'm trying to pitch you. I'm trying to understand what your needs are. What do you need? How, I, how can I? I mean, basically, there have been studies. People only buy to, for pleasure or to um, get rid of pain. That's why they do it. And if you're in sales, you know exactly what I'm talking about. People will say, oh, I've got this problem. I need to get it solved today. Today, right? They got to get rid of that pain. Their boss is screaming at them. So if I'm the Lakers, I do a bit of investigation. I pick up the phone. I call up the agent and I say, listen, what kind of things? Because all the agents and the general managers, they all know each other. So you call them up and you go, listen, you're LaMarcus's agent. What kind of things are, is, is LaMarcus into? What kind of stuff does he want to hear about? Right? Let, let us put our best foot forward. They didn't do that, apparently, because they talked to him about things other than basketball. He's a basketball player. He wants to hear about basketball. But they didn't do that. That is the height of arrogance. The Lakers, let's be honest, the Lakers for probably the last 50 years have been one of the most, if not the most successful franchises in American sports. In the last 50, I think 50 years, probably a bit longer than that, they've won, in their, in their time, they've won 16 championships. Since 1980, they've won eight. No, 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 they've won 10. They've won 10 in the last 35 years. (laughs) Nobody's done that. They've been the most successful franchise in professional sports the past 35 years. 
And they, if, you, if you look at their history, they brought in Wilt Chamberlain. They brought in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They brought in Shaquille O'Neal. Three of the best centers to ever play the game all wanted to be Lakers. They did. And the Lakers were started, you know, that Jack Kent Cook, Cook, Jack Kent Cook owned the Lakers. And Jerry Buss, a self-made man, bought the team. And he turned them in. He, he, he tapped into what, he tapped into the psyche of L.A. And, and what the fans wanted. And he gave them a product. This is showtime. So you take a look at the Lakers of the 80s. They were showtime. And because of the way that they were constructed as a team and as a brand, people came to them. Whoa, it's 74 degrees right now in L.A. It's about 23 Fahrenheit, 23 Celsius. It's 74 degrees and it's, fe- it's the middle of winter in L.A. And I can go to a game and I can see Jack Nicholson sitting on the floor and I can see a team score 130 points and I can score. I can watch Magic Johnson play. Sign me up. I want to come see this. So people crowded to go see that. And it became an event. And what the Lakers brass, which now consists of Jeannie Buss, the daughter of the late Jerry Buss, and her brother Jim, and uh, Mitch Kupchak, who's the general manager, and a few other people, what they did is they brought, let's bring in Kobe Bryant, and we'll sell people on the fact that we're L.A. They completely missed the boat. The Lakers are no longer the the Lakers. There was a very good article written in the last um, week by Bill Plaschke, and Ed uh, actually tweeted about it. And essentially what this guy said is, look, he's, a, he's an L.A. Times writer. He's been there for years. He knows uh, he's got his finger on the pulse of L.A. sports. He said, listen, we're not the Lakers anymore, guys. Figure it out. They clearly haven't done it. Conversely, take a look at the, uh, the Spurs. The Spurs, LaMarcus signed with the Spurs. The Spurs are a well-run organization. They came in. They talked about when LaMarcus went in, they pitched him on the future. They pitched him on where they saw him fitting in, and it had everything to do with basketball. And that right there is the reason that they got him. They gave him an opportunity to win. He had a nice opportunity in Portland. Portland's a lovely, lovely city to live with or to live in. Um, it's probably a great place to play. They got very loyal fan base. But he moved to San Antonio because he wants to win. Kawhi Leonard was never going to leave the Spurs. People don't typically leave the Spurs. And that's because they're such a well-run organization. And every single season, they have an opportunity to win. And it has everything to do with Greg Popovich and the way that he's created this team. So, you know, the Spurs have been able to do some amazing things. They pulled in LaMarcus Aldridge. They kept Kawhi Leonard. One of the most impressive things that really, I think, underpins the whole conversation that I'm having here is that they got David West. Now, David West is a... He's a marginal. I've done He's a pretty good NBA player. He's been playing the last few seasons in Indiana with the Pacers. He had a twelve million dollar player option. That means that at the end of the contract, at the end of the season, he had what they call a player option. And if he chose to accept the player option, he gets the twelve million dollars, which would have meant that it would have cost the Spurs, or sorry, it would have cost the Pacers twelve million. He would have been a Pacer this year. He said no. I want to go to the Spurs, and he wanted to go to the Spurs because he wanted to win. And in the process, he's making $1.5 million. Now, $1.5 million is good money. Don't get me wrong. But when you could have made 12, I love the fact that that's how the Spurs operate. They, they sell people on the concept of winning while it, it, the team's more important. It's, it's a beautiful thing, and it's, it's the way that teams should be. So today, when a lot of people are saying, David West is a moron, he gave up $12 million to play in San Antonio, I say, well, you know what? What if he has... 
100 million bucks in the bank or 50 million bucks in the bank? What if he doesn't want an extra $12 million? What if what he wants is to be a part of a winner? That's the thing he's going to remember. He's not going to remember the paycheck. He's going to remember the fact that I was a part of something great in 2015, 2016 because I chose to take less money. That's a lesson that everybody should look and we should stand up and applaud the guy because what he's done is he's gone, you know what? Winning is more important than the dollars. And that is something that so often guys are criticized for. I don't care about anything but money. Well, this guy clearly cares about something else. So I thought that was fabulous. Other uh, free agents to uh, move on. Uh, DeAndre Jordan has left the Clippers to go play in Dallas. Now, Mark Cuban, another very savvy owner. Uh, Steve Ballmer, the guy who owns the Clippers, I'm not going to say he's not savvy, but if you play in L.A. and you're a part of a team that now they did lose in the, I think they lost in the first round uh, this year, but they, you know, they're they're still a team with with Chris Paul. This is very troubling if you're a Clippers fan, and there I don't think there are that many out there. But you know, you've lost a a key cog who's decided to go to Dallas, uh, and what does that say about what's actually going on in the Clippers? You know, and then again, DeAndre Jordan took a look at the Lakers. He said, "Nope, I'm going to Dallas." One of the other things I have to be honest with you, one of the other things, sometimes these things can be about money a little bit. There, across the United States, different states have different tax laws. So if you live in Florida or Texas or Nevada and a few others, there's no state income tax. That means that when you, you know, I make a paycheck and the government, you know, the federal government takes their 28% or 33%, whatever it is. And when I live in California, the government takes another 9 or 10%. So if I make a 10 million bucks a year, that 10% equates to a million dollars if I decide to play in one of these state income tax-free states. So sometimes that does factor into guys' decisions. But nonetheless, uh, the fact that DeAndre Jordan has left the Clippers means that they're that, they're, they're that much uh, further away now from catching the Warriors. Kevin Love, he decided to do what everybody thought was the right thing and to re-sign with the, uh, with the Cavaliers. Again, another guy who decided, I want to win. And this is, again, this is, this is a trend that we're seeing in the NBA. Guys, it used to be that the, the Lakers and the Knicks and Chicago, all the big cities would get the players. But now these guys are their own brands. These guys want to win. And I think, it's, I think it says a little bit about the intelligence of these, of these players, which I think is something good because we don't typically talk about the intelligence of these players. We talk about the stupid things they do. But when I take a look at guys... And they're saying, I want to win. It's, I think they get the big picture. As you get a bit older, it's not about the money. You know, it's very easy to say it's not about the money when someone's offering you $5 million or $8 million. But so for most people out there, unfortunately, a lot of our jobs are about the money. We have to do the job, and that sucks. These guys aren't in that position, and it's nice that they can look past the fact that the money is not the most important thing. But again, as you get older, you realize stuff. You know, I got kids now, and you start to. Realize that there's a lot more important things out there than what I was probably focusing on when I was 24. So, anyway, uh, Aaron Baines has left uh, San Antonio to go to Phoenix. He's uh, an Australian slash Kiwi, so a little bit of interest there. Uh, the Cavaliers have uh, extended an offer to Della Vadova. And Della Vadova, make no mistake about it, he played uh, quite a role in the finals he did. He played quite a role for the Cavs throughout the playoffs. They went into that, uh, that tournament missing Kevin Love and they lost Kyrie I think in the in the in one of the rounds they lost Kyrie and so things were not looking good for them 
And a lot of people had them being swept by the Warriors. They turned it into a six-game uh, series. I actually thought they were going to win the whole thing. And Delavidova and his ability to kind of keep uh, pestering mm-hmm. Stephen Curry was uh, a really big reason they got a couple of those wins. So he's probably going to go back to Cleveland. They've extended an offer to him. Uh, the other thing I want to hit real quickly uh, is, you know, we talked about the Lakers' arrogance. It, it starts at the top. So it, it, when you take a look at the teams that are doing doing well and are successful, look at the ownership. It's about the owner, the general manager, and the coach. One of the most dysfunctional teams in all the NBA right now is the Lakers. And another one of the most dysfunctional teams in all the NBA is the Sacramento Kings. A couple of years ago, this team was on the verge of leaving. They were going to move to Seattle. And a guy named Vivek Ranadive came to town, said, I'm going to buy the Kings from the Maloofs. And he kept the Kings in Sacramento. I grew up in Sacramento. This meant a lot to me personally. And I can speak for the million and a half people that live around Sacramento. This was a really big deal for Sacramentans. It really was. Because, you know, think about it. This is the only team we've ever had. Um, and we were going to lose for really no fault of our own. The Kings uh, fans have been very loyal throughout the time. Anyway, Vivek saves the team, starts off. Everybody's The guy could do no wrong, right? Well, then he hired a coach before a general manager. Not really the move you want to make because, again, the general manager, the, the way that it should work is the coach, or the, sorry, the owner goes, I'm the owner, I want to win, and here's, my, here's what I want to happen. So the way you do is you go, okay, build my team. You get a general manager to build your team. And you say, all right, buddy, this is, this is $2 bucks a year. You got four years. Let's turn this thing around. Let's make it happen. Hire whoever you want. Draft whoever you want. Come to me if you need free agent money. Just go out and make us a winner. He went and hired a coach first. And then he hired the, uh, the owner. Or sorry, then he hired the general manager. And after he hires the general manager, the, uh, the coach gets fired. And so uh, then they hire a, another coach. They hired George Carl. Uh, and then they fire the general manager. And then they brought in Vladi Divac, who's now our general manager. And what you've got is Vivek Ranadive upset with George Carl and talking about actually firing George Carl, which to me is asinine because George Carl knows basketball. He knows basketball more than anybody in that building, but you've got an owner. Again, these owners, most of them are billionaires. Most of them have been very successful. There's nothing they can't do in their minds. But I can tell you right now, there's not a single owner anywhere in professional sports who puts the time and effort and and study necessary to do the general manager job appropriately. They really don't. Each one of these jobs, being a general manager, that's probably an 18-hour-a-day job. It literally is with all the study, the film watch, the conversations, the contract negotiations, with all the different things that those guys are doing, they are building a franchise. It's a, it's a time-consuming job, and it's very hard work. Coaching is the same thing. You're coaching probably 12 hours a day. And, and you know, you, there's a lot of study and history and things like that, that going and, and film watch that go into to being a decent coach. And you've got guys that want to do both jobs. And you've got owners who think, well, I know basketball. I know that guy can play. You don't understand, the, the good general managers, they grind. They work their backsides off. And Vivek thinks he knows more, and he thinks that uh, you know the, the basketball coach who doesn't necessarily like DeMarcus Cousins and doesn't necessarily see him as a part of the future is um, deciding that maybe he wants to fire the coach. And to me, you don't do that. You hire a, a general manager, and you go, look, 
Make it happen. I'll get out of your way. Vivek can't do that. So until the Kings sort out their their issues up top and until the Lakers sort out their issues up top, both those teams are going to be awful. Now, if sports were stocks, this particular stock would make you rich. That next on the Born in USA podcast. For SEN America, this is Born in the USA, the podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to the Born USA podcast. I'm Steve Salisbury, Ed White. Not in today, but he'll be back, and we'll uh, we'll do it again. Now, I said if sports were a stock, this one would make you an absolute mint of cash, and I fully believe this. Take a look across the landscape of American sport right now. You've got football. Now, football is the king, no doubt about that. NFL's the king, and people want to watch it. But it's not going to grow. It's like Google. It's too expensive already. There's not a lot of upside. It, it, it'll probably maintain, right? But I do, I do actually think about the fact that when you take a look at the kind of the, the, the risks and the issues that the NFL is looking at around concussion and things like that and just the violence of the game, I think that as time goes on, you're going to see a you're probably going to see fewer and fewer players playing that, which means it'll probably resonate, I'm guessing, with fewer people. And I do think that it is trending downward. It's crazy. Or it will trend downward eventually. So you buy NFL today, it's probably a $500 stock. I'd say in 10 years' time, it might be a $400 stock. Or maybe it's a $500 stock, but I don't see it jumping up to $900. you have got you know, the NFL Super Bowl rates of 50 that means that 50% of the nation tunes into that thing. Very few, actually, no shows in all of American history rate that well. It is the highest rated show in American TV history, the Super Bowl. So you look at the NFL, you know, probably not the one stock, if you're buying stocks, probably not going to make you a lot of money. Probably nice to hang on to it. Looks good in the portfolio, big numbers around it. But is it going to make you a bunch of money? No, you probably needed to get in about 10 years ago. Next up, you look at the NBA. How is the NBA? Well, the NBA is trending upward as well. It's doing well. Um, Adam Silver is making some really good changes to the league. And uh, I think that uh, a lot of the players, you know, you're, you're kind of weeding out some of the idiots uh, that are in the game. And you've got, I think what you've got now are a lot of pretty decent guys, a lot of likable people. Uh, Steph Curry, I mean, is there a better face for the NBA than Steph Curry? He's a nice-looking guy. He's a good kid. He's a hell of a player. Um, the NBA, I think, is doing fine. But I look at the NBA again. That's probably about a $200 stock. Is that going to get up to 500 I don't know. I would say, you know, I'd say about a year from now, five, ten years from now, maybe the NBA is a $250 stock. So, yeah, there's probably going to be some continued growth. But will it become... Uh, you know, will it become an $800 stock? No, I don't think so. You probably needed to get in <laughs> with a lot of these. You probably needed to get in 25 years ago. Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is today probably about, let's say, a $100 stock. And I'd say in about 50 years' time or 10, ah, 15 years' time, it's probably going to be about a $50 stock. The reason for that is because the demographic of baseball, when you take a look at the fans who watch baseball, it is old guys, old white guys, guys my dad's age. My dad's 73. Dad, Ed's dad is probably about, to, Ed's dad's 74, I think. So you take a look at our dads. Our dads like baseball. 
a lot of old white guys like baseball. Baseball not doing a really good job to try to bring people into the game. You think about it, it's, it's, it's very, very long. I mean, there's 162 games in a regular season. The games themselves can sometimes go four hours. You could sit down for a game, have no idea how long it's going to last. Some games go 20 innings. You could literally sit at the park for seven hours. Who the hell can sit around for seven hours and watch a sporting event? Nobody. Nobody in today's world. We don't. We don't have it. And the young people today, they didn't grow up. They didn't grow. They're not growing up the same way we did. They've got the internet. They've got video games. They've got apps. There's all these different things that they've got at their disposal. So it's about attention and keeping people's attention. Baseball not doing a very good job of that. So I see baseball trending downward. They're not doing a good job of bringing young kids into the game. They don't have great youth programs. Certainly Little League is still going around, but Little League is not doing uh, what a lot of other youth sports are doing. College football is another one uh, where it's trending upward, which is good. So college football... Probably today, maybe a $250, maybe a $300 stock. I started to worry about it because of all the, the BCS, and they've, they've kind of straightened that out now with the playoff system, which is good. And you've got the traditional powers that are playing well. Michigan's gone the way up. Ohio State's back. Alabama's still going to be great. So you've got the traditional powers. USC's going to be good. Oregon is good. So you've got traditional powers that have been good for a lot of years, and now you've got an actual playoff system. So it gives a lot of more, a lot more credibility to, uh, to the game itself. So then you go to college basketball. How, what about college basketball? Is college basketball a great, uh, a great spectator sport? Yeah, for about 45 minutes. College basketball, nobody cares about college basketball, and the ratings back this up outside of March. They don't care. I mean, listen, it's fun to watch college basketball, but it's a niche sport. And to a lot of basketball people, like, what are, you, what are you kidding me? How's it a niche sport? Because only a few people even care about it. I know a few people here in Melbourne who care about it, but most people don't. If you went to a school, like I went to San Diego State, we've got a pretty good basketball team. Ed went to Stanford. They typically have a pretty good basketball team. There's going to be interest. But outside of watching people like Duke, North Carolina, Connecticut, there's not a lot of interest. So basketball, college basketball, because it's only relevant because of that tournament, you let 64 teams in or 66 teams or 68 teams, whatever it is, anybody has a chance to win it. You want to make it a more interesting tournament? Get that down to 16 people. They talk about blowing it out to 96. What that does, when you have 96 teams getting into a tournament or 65 teams or 68 teams, whatever it is, that means that the regular season is less important. So what they ought to do is just have one tournament then. Just screw the whole basketball season. Have one tournament in March. So basketball, in my mind, trending downward. Probably a $75 stock today. It'll probably stay pretty flat, about a $75 stock. But as other things come up, they're going to lose viewers. They really will. Outside of March, they don't do very well. You know, you take a look at hockey. How's hockey doing as a sport? Hockey, in my mind, is dying. And the reason I say hockey's dying is because... There's no diversity whatsoever in hockey. It's similar to baseball. A lot of old white guys in northern American cities and in Canada who like their game. But hockey is interesting. Now, everyone says, oh, hockey's a great game to watch. And you know what? I enjoy watching hockey. It's, it's a very fast-paced game, and it is fun. But you know the thing that blows about hockey is that when I go to a hockey game, and I went to a hockey game with Chris Tyler here at SEN to watch USA play Canada just a few weeks ago, at Rod Laver. There's two intermissions. 
So in the first intermission, I went down to get a bite to eat. I kind of forgot I was at a game. You know, it's like the nice thing about a lot of these other sports is that there's no, there's not a lot of commercial breaks, and you you get boom, 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 boom. You get right back into it. In hockey, they're asking you to walk away for 20 minutes twice in a game. Oh, sorry, we're going to stop playing for 20 minutes. You know what? In today's caffeinated, short attention span society, most people are not going to tune into that because they don't have the patience. And that's the one thing that hockey and baseball have done pretty poorly is they're not tapping into the youth. They don't understand the mind of the youth. The, the, trust me, the millennials and guys who are in, in boys and girls who are 10, you know, my kid's age, they're the, they're the future for every last one of these sports. And so what you need to do is you need to tap into them and you got to understand their demographic and understand their sensibilities. As an older guy, I look at a lot of stuff that my kids do and I go, you got to be kidding me. Yet, this is the future, right? This is probably the same thing that our parents said to us. And now we're in the position of power, being in our 40s, and it is, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. We're in a position of power. We, we kind of, we run things now. Well, in 25 years' time, we're going to be old, we're not going to run anything, and it's going to be our kids. So how do they think? What things are at their disposal? These are the types of things that smart leagues get into. So hockey, on the way out. I feel hockey's probably a $40 stock. It'll probably be worth about 35 in five years' time. Soccer. Soccer is the one sport that is on the rise. You take a look at soccer. Soccer has all the elements of a great stock to buy. You buy soccer today, 25 years from now, I think you're sitting on a mint. And what you're seeing is a lot of different, and the way I know I'm right about this is look at how all the different networks around the world are jumping all over each other to get the soccer. They want to, they want to televise soccer. And, you know, if you took a look the other day, we had the Women's World Cup, and congratulations to the American women because what they did was sensational. It was phenomenal. They are a likable team. Uh, they're a competitive team. They're damn good. They just, you know, they're nice girls. They get out there. They're competitive. They go for it. it, it to me, it was it was. It was great viewing. And if you looked at that crowd at the final the other day against Japan, the Americans won 5-2. If you looked at the crowd, in the crowd you saw men, women, old, young, black, white, Latino, Asian. You saw everybody. You basically saw multiculturalism melting pot, boom, in that stadium there in Vancouver watching the final. That is soccer. Soccer is the world game. And a lot of people in this town, oh, no, soccer blows, man. Soccer's terrible. It's all about footy. Okay. There's probably people in the, in the USA going, oh, no, it'll never pass football. It'll never pass football. You know what? How many people get concussions playing soccer? Not a lot. How many people get concussions playing AFL? Quite a few. How many get concussions playing rugby? Quite a few. How many get concussions and life-threatening injuries playing tackle football in the U.S.? A lot. Soccer... If you're you're a parent, what kid what sport do you want your kids playing? You want your kids playing soccer where they're not at risk, as much risk anyway, of getting a career threatening or career threatening, getting a life threatening injury? Or do you want them playing footy or rugby or American football? You know, this is the thing that you gotta take a look at. Soccer is very consumable as well. No, there's not a lot of scoring typically in these games, but 
It's done in two hours. There's a short intermission. There don't seem to be a lot of breaks, right? When you're watching, you don't have television breaks. It's constant action. And it's multiculturalism. And a lot of the kids, one of the, one of the kind of the trends that I see and a lot of the parents that I've talked to is that a lot of the kids that are in their teens now are playing FIFA on like their PlayStation and stuff like that. They're playing more FIFA than they are NBA. They're playing more FIFA, you know, soccer than they're playing NFL, than they're playing NFL or AFL. So I look at it and I think the future is soccer. It is a consumable sport. It is a worldwide sport. It is a fun sport. It is a healthy sport. It is multiculturalism. It is everything. It's where we're going as a global community, right? Look around. Every, no matter which country you live, if you live in Australia, the U.S., Canada, in Europe, immigrants are coming into your countries every single day, people from around the world. What sports do they play in every country? Soccer. They're going to have kids. They're going to influence them to play soccer. Soccer is growing. I coached my six-year-old daughter, who's now eight. I coached her team a couple of years ago in California. I lived in a town called Folsom, which is right outside of Sacramento. It's a city of about 50,000 people. Our soccer league had 3,500 kids in it. 3,500 kids were in our soccer league. That's a lot of kids. And I saw some good, te- good, kids on, good kids playing, you know, good players on these teams. So soccer is the one sport that if you take a look at it, it is trending upward more so than any other sport on the planet. Soccer is the future. And if you are trying to dispute that, you're seriously missing the boat. So if soccer were a stock, I would say that today it's probably because it's still in a lot of places. It's probably not as popular as it will get. It's about a $50 stock, but I guarantee you in about 30 years time, it's going to be worth about a thousand bucks a share, if not more. So soccer is the future. Tap into it and understand it because you can sit there and you can go, ah, no, nah, mate, it's all about footy. It's all about footy. Yeah, right. Sure it is. Sure it is. Um, you know, and they'll be, they'll, they'll, I'm not saying that footy or football or any of these sports are going away. I'm just saying that you're going to have more and more kids growing up with soccer, more and more kids playing the game, more of it on TV. Pretty soon, these kids who grew up playing soccer are going to be having kids of their own. And they're going to be watching. So it's going to uh, trust me when I say this. I am. I there are very few things I can absolutely guarantee. But soccer, in twenty five, thirty years time, will be the most popular sport in this country, and I think it'll be the most popular sport in America as well. It's been the Born in the USA podcast. I'm Steve Salisbury, and I'll catch you next time. You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world, and now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today.